Welcome to Work is Good, a podcast designed to help Christians delight in their work and build wealth faithfully. Sorry for the scratchy voice, bear with me just for the intro here. On this episode of the podcast, we're talking specifically about how much Christians should be working. Is the 40-hour work week a good standard? What principles does Scripture offer on the question? My guest today is Pastor Jerry Owen. Jerry has been pastoring for over 15 years and planted Emanuel Church in Bothell, Washington, nine years ago. Before entering the ministry, he worked as a VP of Sales and Marketing for Economic Modeling Specialists, a company specializing in labor market data and analysis. I'm your host, Landon Buto, and this podcast is provided by Cleveland Street Mortgage in pursuit of our mission of helping people to cultivate wealth and property in submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. Please enjoy this week's conversation, and remember that if you're interested in getting a mortgage with our team at CSM, go to clevelandstreet.com. I think we have that as a standard uh, 40 hours. I don't remember the 40. Uh, the the uh, seven-day... Five-day. Yeah, 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 the five-day. So the six-day work week, one day off, is creational. Um, from Genesis, God creates for six days. It's very good, and then he rests on the seventh, and he doesn't need to rest because he's omnipotent and doesn't get tired. But Jesus says... He, the Sabbath's made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So God takes a day off knowing that only enslavers would hmm. make you work a 24-7 day. And God's not like that. He wants to bless us working and then refresh us and bless us resting. So why? I mean, you kind of just explained it, but maybe re-explain it. Because I still I yeah. Why did God... Is it just as an example to us? Is that why he rested? Yeah, he rested. <clears throat> That's interesting. So he created the world in such a way that it fits us perfectly. So he created the world in six days and took the other one off, establishing the week that would bless the pinnacle of creation, mankind, who's made in his image. So then he tells us to be fruitful, to multiply, to take dominion over the earth. And he does that. Uh, we do that by working for six, resting for one. Uh, in the new covenant, Jesus rose on the first day of the week and the day of recreation. So Westminster guys like me think that the Lord's Day, the first day of the week, is the new covenant, is the new Sabbath in the mm-hmm. new covenant. It's the Lord's Day. And, of course, the Sabbath is not about... Um, it's about what you get to do. You get to. And, and this is the way yeah. it was in the Old Covenant. It's the day of convocation. It's the party day. It's the day of rest. Um, some some traditions turn the Sabbath, give it a bad name by turning it into a day of, full of religious works. Mm-hmm. But And it is. It is a day of religious worship. We mm-hmm. worship him. We renew covenant. That's a, fe- a It's a feast, festal, community day. Um, and we worship for a couple hours, and the rest of the day ought to be rejo- rejoicing. Um relaxing, resting, taking a nap, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, and it's not measured by calorie burning or lack of burning. You can rest by throwing the football with the guys. The point is it's non-vocational day. It's a day of rest from vocational labor, um, and it should be the sweet day. And why? Yeah, God did it, Jesus says, as a gift to us. So it's not a bunch of rules that we have to keep. It's a, it's a gift that we get to receive. And so, yeah, and, and you know, I don't have any problem with if you do five days at your your paid job. Right. And then you have a day of productivity, generally speaking. And if you get 
all your vocational work done in five days and you take a fun Saturday, you know, I don't think we should be fussy about that. I think we should make sure we're worshiping and honoring that day of rest and blessing our families, blessing our kids whose vocation is school uh, with a day off and, and doing it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so take the, take the day itself. Let's take Thursday or, you know, a regular weekday where yeah. it is your, your main job. Um, what in your mind are good priorities to have? Obviously, again, you can't get super rule oriented here, but the principles of, um, what do your priorities need to be of how long you're working, what counts as, as work, yeah. um, and then how are you prioritizing rest and time with family? Yeah, if you're if you're working for someone else, then it's figuring out what they what those expectations are. Yeah. And if you want to thrive in your career, beating them, which doesn't necessarily mean more time, hmm. but it means that you're establishing yourself to be productive. So, hmm. I mean, I tell my son and my kids get there early, um, don't be on time, be early and be mm -hmm. ready um, and be ready to do whatever you're doing heartily as unto the Lord. Don't serve as a man pleaser. Don't, don't be a clock watcher. Don't be someone who's trying to piddle away the time and get through the time. Mm -hmm. Be a productive person. And so, yeah, figure out whatever your job is and people who rise in their careers are people who master the job they've been given to do and then are able to take on more, um, able to go master other skills that would be helpful at the company or roles to play, that kind of thing. And so I think you're looking at, well, what what is the work that needs to be done? How can I do it most effectively, efficiently, heartily? Mm -hmm. How can I love, you know, bless my boss, uh, love the customer if I'm serving customers, do this excellently so that really I am giving it to God and saying, Lord, here is what I've done with my time. You called me to take dominion and that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to master this thing and do it in a way that um, honors you, that blesses whoever I'm doing it for and and makes me grateful and tired at the end of the day. So yeah, yeah the family thing, I mean... Um, yeah, because you have... <laughs> You, you, it's not a time thing. That, like it's not defined by time whether you're meeting your responsibilities or not. Right. Necessarily. Right. Um, may, maybe you know you're in a role where you do need to be at the office from here to here. Talk to customers from eight to five. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so. But not always. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then thinking about if you do you want to go above and beyond meeting uh, beating those expectations, um, sometimes you can do that within the time constraints of, mm -hmm. you know, you're at the office <clears throat> and you're expected to be waiting on the phone and you're using that time to read about this thing that makes you better at your craft. So that's an example right. of, of something where you're within the time, but you're beating the expectations. Um, <clears throat> yeah, kind of the assumption, the way we think about it now of beating the expectations, or at least I do, and I think it's pretty widely assumed, is go home and put extra hours in. Um, is there a place for that? Um, how do you be careful about, especially, you know, if you have a family um, or if, or not, how do you be careful about not idolizing your work, um, but also how do you balance and combine um, 
wanting to excel, but also not wanting to idolize your work, what you're doing. Yeah, right. So if you're <clears throat> if you're working hard and you're getting the job done, then that's that's your minimum. That's what you want to do. You know, some people, if they are they're in a job where they cannot get the job adequately done in the time that's expected of them, mm -hmm. and the the time that's expected of them, other people can do it in that time. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it's not it's not an overburdened yeah. thing. Well, then it's like, okay, is this a good fit for you? Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. You, you and let's say they are being diligent. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so they're they're somehow not cut out. Sure. If it takes them twice the amount of time to do the same amount of work. Yeah. Well, then where can you find something that you can excel in or at least be adequate in? Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> before they fire you, maybe yeah. you want to move on. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's one problem. I think, um, yeah, doing the work, getting the work done. And there's seasons when, seasons of life when, and seasons in the work year. Harvest season, you know, is the farming analogy when there's 16 hour days and you gotta, it's harvest time. You gotta cut the crop. You gotta mm -hmm. get it out. You gotta finish it. Mm -hmm. uh, or it'll wilt and it'll, you'll lose, you'll lose all that product. Um, so I think it's good to have seasons like that mm -hmm. um, and to mark those seasons as seasons and not have that be a year of, or a, a, a season of five years straight. Yeah. Um, I have a friend in medical school, you know, and it's like, it's brutal. Um, mm -hmm. And actually the medical thing, training is badly badly structured hmm. you know you're a surgeon you're paid $65,000 a year for four years for more than four years and if this is you know they have a family and then yeah. you graduate and you make $450,000 yeah and in the meantime you know you're on these long long shifts you're exhausted mm -hmm. <clears throat> divorce rates are high it's, it's awful um, that's a bad example of a really bad system with that sets up seasons that way but it's good for guys, I think particularly, are gonna provide for families to have seasons where they're training for the next level, they are working in the harvest season of that thing, they're younger in their career, and they are they have benchmarks and goals they're trying to get to, so that yeah. when they're making their greater money in their season of mastery of life, which is typically late 30s, 40s, 50s, you're supposed to be becoming an expert in your field, and you ought to be preparing and putting in the time to get there. Now, you're building a family. Um, you are having a life and a soul. So you're pursuing community, fellowship, <clears throat> activities, and there's a place for that too. And so balance is a thing. But um, yeah, I don't know, there's generations that are different. There's cultures that are different. Mm, yeah. Um, my colleagues at public university, my, my peers when I was graduating high school from 97, and at the university, there's a lot of lazy people. <laughs> yeah. And I went yeah. to a rigorous LeBarge college where one of our professors early on said that he would respect us more if we did our work hard and got a C, but had a life. Because at the rigorous arts college, there were lots of nerds who would probably be willing to work mm -hmm. every night of the week and Friday and Saturday too, um, and never have, show hospitality, never have any fun, mm -hmm. and be in balance. And he yeah. said, you should... Do it well, and you'll still get the well-done, good and faithful servant from God. Mm. And you will be a person instead of a loser who only studies. And yeah. that, was, that was really freeing. I'm like, oh, yeah. so I shouldn't. And I had, I had a big load. Um, yeah. And I was like, okay, but I, I'll need to knock it off and not worry about it and yeah. have a limit. Yeah. So. All right, sorry for the interruption. Give me 30 seconds. 
Imagine your friends, you know, those ones who are about to move, or the ones who tell you at a dinner party in two weeks they're thinking about moving. Imagine how stressed they are about finding the right lender who's going to provide a great experience and great advice. Imagine how thankful they'll be when you tell them to schedule a call with us at clevelandstreet.com. That's all. Back to the show. Well, for your generation, what's, uh, you know, is the temptation to overdo it or underdo it? Or yeah. And your peer circles, and there's all kinds of factors that can... Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, um, my sense is that the temptation is to underdo it and, and you know, just let opportunities come and, and, you know, a sense of entitlement. Quit early, start late. Yeah. Um, but I think it also may be, it's not necessarily in the time, it's just in like self-control and, and focus. Um, you know, maybe you're um, an early professional and like, I, I know for myself, I have, my temptations are both time-wise to overdo it. Like I, I I'm, uh, I want to accomplish this and that, mm-hmm. and so I got to put all this time in. And um, but then I know that it's not, um, it's not necessarily that I'm not putting enough time in. It's just I'm not using my time well enough. Um, so for me, it's it's a focus and self-control thing because we live in a generation in a in a time where there's so many distractions so easily, mm-hmm. and like, yeah, and so just being able to focus and and have self-control to stay on task. Yeah, I've wondered with all the remote, the COVID and then remote work, it seems like there are certainly a lot of people who have turned a profit on that and are like, with that, so they're not commuting for an hour and a half mm-hmm. or more a day. Yeah. And so they actually are being productive with that time. And there's a whole lot of people who are doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, Elon Musk buys Twitter and goes in and there's people there that literally do nothing, that work for a few hours a week. Some of them just do garbage. Mm-hmm. You know, they just, they their job is censorship <laughs> yeah. of, of free speech. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so, so that's interesting. And it's, yeah, it's good. There's also the thing where, so there's the guys who are working hard and they're, you're, you want to get it done. You want to accomplish these things and you're building a family, right? You're married. And when your wife knows and your children know that you're working late because you love them and want to provide for them, um, it's a completely different impact. Mm-hmm. That has to be the case mm-hmm. and that has to be lovingly communicated. Yeah. And you have yeah. to have unity in your marriage where you're in fellowship because that that's a great blessing to the marriage. Like yeah. she's going to be grateful for that. You're grateful for the support. That's a good thing, even in the busy, tough season. Whereas if it's because the husband doesn't want to get home and actually love her, mm-hmm. or he's avoiding conflict, or all mm-hmm. the other um, lame, failing reasons that men stay at the office too long. Yeah, you know. So it's like the same action: staying at mm-hmm. the office to get more work done can be a complete blessing or a complete curse, yeah. totally depending on yeah. the reasons yeah. why and all the other factors. Yeah, the reasons why <laughs> and like you said, is it a constant thing? Like it's, right. you probably don't have a good reason if it's not a seasonal thing, if it's just a perpetual thing. Right. You're Which, just you're just hustling after money all the time yeah. because you're insecure or you want a bunch of buy a bunch of things you don't need or shouldn't. Yeah. And there you go. Yeah. 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 So that is a helpful um, kind of approach on the how much should you be working seasons. Uh, I, that's helpful. Um, in something we talked about before is sleep and just and, and as it relates to rest um, not just sleep specifically but um, but rest from the thing mm-hmm. um, 
the and, vocational labor. Yeah, and, you know, because I, I heard um, Doug Wilson talk about when you have to have those seasons, um, you know, especially as a young young dad, young husband, come home, you know, really try to make it a priority to come home at five, and then if you have to, get up at five or get up at four or get up whenever, yeah. you know, take the burden on yourself. Right. Don't, don't take the time away from your family kind of thing. Right. Um, as much as possible. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's a solution, but you can only do that so much um, when you genuinely, in order to do the task well, in order to be able to love your family, you need the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, how have you seen, re- you, you, you've, I know you've read about it, you've thought about it, um, how have you seen rest benefit you and, and what role does that yeah, play? Yeah, and realizing that lack of rest uh, detracted from, yeah, I had a friend in grad school who would say, uh, you can't cheat sleep. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he's a productive guy. And uh, yeah, he's a Scottish guy. He's never going to see his name is Chunky Liston. Chunky is like a family nickname. And he was this wire thin guy, a competitive runner, actually long distance awesome. Scotch. It's a great runner. name. Yeah. Chunky Liston. Yeah. Um, yeah, because. You can't cheat sleep. I, I've kind of always had, you know, I, I have those proverbs running through my mind of. Um, people who love sleep and, and turning on your bed and yeah and so I've always kind of had that you know <laughs> uh, I, and I kind of like judge like Johnny if you're listening to this my roommate loved his sleep and internally <laughs> I always judged him a little bit there you go um, Johnny oh yeah yeah Johnny. Um, so now there you go Johnny. Uh, there you go Johnny now he's less judgmental about you yeah Johnny <laughs> you can I don't judge you for your sleep and we're, hopefully you're not still as lazy as you were when you yeah were <laughs> exactly you're the worst um <laughs> but yeah no I always less than less than judging people I more took pride in the fact that like oh I don't sleep a lot you know yeah. and um and you know we we talked about a little bit before um you, you can't cheat sleep. It, right. it comes back to hurt your work. It comes back to affect other people. Yeah. Um, and when he said that, I don't. I didn't believe that. That was that was in grad school a right. long time ago. But Matthew Walker's book, Why We Sleep, he quantifies. He's a professor, and he quantifies and shows the CEO culture where CEOs don't sleep. He quantifies um, with really convincing data, like the billions of dollars that are lost in productivity because they've studied people who don't sleep and including very highly productive, wealthy, successful people, but you lose, you'd lose productivity. Mm-hmm. So the times when you're staring at the screen because you haven't get, gotten good sleep the night before and you're not doing the things half as productively or less mm-hmm. because you didn't get that sleep, that's all been measured and studied. Um, then there's tragic things like car accidents and you know, all kinds of, of uh, you know, death that yeah. happens as a result. Serious consequences. Yeah, so that's and not, probably just yeah, mistakes related to you know, your work that is costly. Exactly. Yeah, stuff that has to be redone, stuff that never got done anyway. Yeah. Um, so you you really I don't think you can. Now I think you can work in a harvest season really hard and if you and it's good to be able to it's good to be Survive able to get up less. when you're tired. Yeah. 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 I mean we go to war. Um, we we have children who scream through the night hmm. and we have to go to work the next day. Mm-hmm. We have you know, wives get morning sickness, and you know, so you have lots of reasons. And sometimes you can't sleep, and and you gotta you gotta be able to be strong and push through. Yeah. But recognizing that 
rest, work, and Sabbath are all creational. Mm-hmm. And it's not part of the fall that we get tired. Mm-hmm. Adam Adam would have gotten calluses before the fall. He, I think he could have been certainly bruised and injured. I don't think he, could, he couldn't have died, but could he have cut himself and bled when he was cutting down trees and building a house? I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't made out of stainless steel before the fall. And so, you know, rest, fatigue, could he have built muscle? I mean, of course. So um, those the way we're built to rest is not part of the fall. It's part of the goodness of, of God's creation and the way we were made. And yeah, all the promises about, so you have the lazy things the prom, about the person who loves sleep, sluggard on the bed, turning like a door in its hinges. But you also mm-hmm. have um, the sleep of a laboring man is sweet. Mm. So back to the 40 hour, you know, you, I think we should be working generally more than 40 hours. Yeah. I, I yeah. tell people, if you're, if you're an hourly employee, there's your 40 hour a week. When you're salaried, you're given more responsibility and you should be working longer. Some guys try to build a 20, 30 hour work week so that they can go fishing and screw around. And I, right. do, I do think that it's a rare problem because not many people were able to build their lives and make that much money with it. Yeah. Do that. Yeah. But, um, but it happens. And if you're smart, you could do it. And I yeah. think it's ungodly and unwise. And yeah. You hear that a lot in the real estate world, you know, like, Oh, uh, do this so that you don't have to work anymore or, yeah. uh, you know, invest in this way right. so that you can work four hour weeks in the future. Or yeah. Something like that. Yeah. That book, the four hour work week, yeah. that guy, and that's uh, a lot of copies. Yeah. Um, and it's like, well, if you, if you can, how about be productive? so that you can be more productive. <laughs> yeah. So if you yeah. can do your job in two days, great. What else are you going to do? Like, mm-hmm. do you, you know, are you going to start a ministry? You're going to start a publishing house? Like, what are you going to do with the rest mm-hmm. of your time? Yeah, it doesn't mean you have to always be working 40-hour paid work weeks. Right, like, but what are you doing? Yeah. Um, kind of like it's a, it's a terrible thing to try to retire, you know, in your 50s and do nothing mm-hmm. and waste the rest of your life not being productive. Um, that's a poor long-term vision. Mm-hmm. Um, the Psalms, the old, God's old saints are flourishing, still green uh, in their old age. And so we should be looking. It's okay to retire from your vocational career that way, but yeah. how are you being productive? How are you loving your grown kids, discipling your grandkids, um, being fruitful in the kingdom, serving the church? What are you doing when you're 70, 80? Um, it's not a time to go golfing for 50 hours a week. Yeah. That's weird. Um, yeah. And you'll be tired at the end of that golfing, I guess, but it, yeah. the satisfaction is <laughs> yeah. out there. Yeah. <laughs> the service. Yeah. yeah. The value. Mm-hmm. Unless you're a pro golfer and doing it for entertainment. Maybe. And then you just keep going. Yeah. Go, go long. You know? <laughs> um, Jack Nicholas. Yeah. Great. So that's, uh, I think, just in terms of thinking uh, a framework and, and principles, I think that's super helpful. Um, I could see even you know myself after this conversation. I I'd love to get a little bit more practical. I don't. I, sometimes it's yeah. hard to get you know again with the rules that you can't provide those. But um, I, when when you're when you're working when you're on a project when you're in a season, uh, what are some some questions at least that you would be encourage people to be asking to know you know to make these decisions. Have I done enough? Should I should I put the computer away? Should I go home right now? Mm-hmm. Um, should I change my routine? Um, should I be working more? You know, like, um, what, are, what are some 
practical questions you would encourage people to be asking? Yeah, when I uh, when I I tell my kids and students that I teach in high school that your grades are a paycheck. Think of it that way. And so work hard to get the best grades you can. Like you should work hard to be productive at your job and within your field, within your position, look to excel and the laborer is worthy of his wages. So um, I would say if, to measure yourself on to whether you're doing a good job in the role you've been given is what is your what is your feedback? What is your review like? What is your compensation? You know, mm-hmm. are you are you striving? And it's not so that you can be greedy, it's so that you can be fruitful and you mm-hmm. can take that money and you can tithe on that money, you can mm-hmm. save and you can provide and you can be generous. Mm-hmm. Um, so real practically, like how are you doing in your career? Um, are you getting good reviews, getting yeah. bonuses, raises? Yeah, whatever it look, that looks like, because there's so many different fields and different jobs where yeah. those things are. But, but, and are you the kind of person who welcomes honest feedback from those who can mm. give it to you? Mm. Or are you prickly mm. and weak and That's a good one. Um, yeah. sensitive in such a way that you can't, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, you don't understand my job. Yeah, well, yeah and yeah. you don't understand my job and you don't understand my boss. Well, I know he's your boss and he's probably there because of some measure of success he's had yeah. and or she's had. And so in part of your job, like kind of like it or not, some people are, um, they're so, <laughs> they're so wrapped up in themselves that they, they can't recognize, even if you think your boss is misguided or foolish in a way, mm-hmm. it's still part of your job to make him happy. I like this. Yeah. I like the school factor in this because this teacher has this weakness or they don't value this the way they should. Okay. Part of your emotional intelligence and spiritual intelligence is figuring out what the teacher, how to please the teacher. Now you should do an excellent job and you should be, you can be willing to challenge in respectful ways. Mm. But part of the wisdom of being a student in a school is figuring out how to succeed in that classroom under that teacher. Mm. Because guess what? You're going to have a boss like that teacher. Mm. You're going to have a colleague like those other students that are obnoxious. Mm. So, So that's part of being, all of that goes into how am I productive? How am I succeeding in this serving the lord and blessing my neighbor with the neighbor above me in the in the hierarchy below me to the side yeah so i would ask people <clears throat> are you succeeding and are you getting feedback on how you could do better to maximize your potential uh, when people uh, we were talking a little bit a company i worked at before i went into the ministry i would do reviews and i would tell people to come in and say if you want more money, great. I I suggest that you go figure out what you're worth. So if you um, if you want to know, you know, people are like they think that they're not getting their due, mm-hmm. and maybe sometimes they aren't. But I but go out and figure out if you were to get another job, could you? And what would they be paying you? What do you think that you're you're worth? Mm-hmm. Um, and because that's real objective mm-hmm. and requires yeah. work. And it requires <clears throat> when people are in jobs they don't like. I say work hard there, stay there, because and they're tempted to quit or whatever. I say work hard there and use it as a motivation to go get the job that you want. Mm. If you don't, if you don't like that, mm-hmm. um, so those are helpful ways to yeah. look at. Am I? Yeah, yeah. I and I like the. I mean, uh, there's a lot of good stuff there. I liked the comment about your um, receiving feedback and. 
I think especially in, in any role, there's the ability to say, well, I'm doing this really well. They don't understand uh, this component. I am doing this really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, you know, it's helpful to remember that part of your job is serving your employer. Um, and that and that doesn't mean by your definition of just are you doing the thing best. Um, They're the boss. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> They're good or ill. Yeah. Figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you are you you may by your definition and maybe your definition is good be doing that thing really well, but your definition of doing that thing really well is not the only part of your job. Part right. of your job is serving your employer well. And obviously, the, if they're the boss, then you, their definition counts. For you, something. yeah, <laughs> and 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 it objectively should count in your role at that company under yeah. them should count for more than what you think. Mm-hmm. Now, if you do that really well, you might be in a place one day to put better better benchmarks, better definitions into right. play. Yeah. And that would be a great way to take Dominion to get yeah. there. And to serve them, even if it's not there, like even if it's a conversation, you know, hey, look, I think we need to make this change. Even if it's a, a bit of a debate, you can yep. still serve them in that way in the long run, but you can't do that if you're not... Um, actually executing on the thing. Yep, team player, good attitude, executing, or are you just grumpy? You know, and this happens all the time, of course. Like I think of example of someone I know, like working under a boss who is not approaching things well, and but they don't, and so the employee under them doesn't, you know, back chat, doesn't fuss, keeps a good attitude, mm-hmm. um, pushes back in, the, in acceptable, mm-hmm. good ways, mm-hmm. and then pretty soon that person has so excelled in their role underneath mm-hmm that the the things they did so well ultimately influenced both the person above them and changed the culture of that environment. And yeah. I've seen that happen at schools, I've seen it happen at companies. And so they're gonna it's like in Genesis, Joseph you know, you can lock Joseph up in jail and Joseph is going to take on tasks. He is going to bless people. He's going to be he's not filled with resentment and he's in pretty soon he's in charge of the jail. And then he's in charge of the nation. And then he's feeding and saving the world. <laughs> and so it's got, that's a guy of great ability, mm-hmm. but it's not ability that holds most people back. It's attitude, yeah. resentment, willingness mm-hmm. to take the lowest seat, like Jesus said. Mm-hmm. Do the work of a servant, and then you will be invited to rise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the way, yeah, the way up. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were talking about Andrew Krapuschitz a little bit before, and, and he gave a uh, conference uh, a men's conference on taking dominion here and something he said he was talking about um he was talking about integrity in the corporate america workplace essentially mm-hmm. and he was talking about how you want to have the credibility so that when you make your stand they know that it counts if you have to stand for something you're gonna have to be able to stand like be ready to stand up for things that matter for yeah. for integrity have integrity to have a backbone, stand up for things that matter, but be make sure that every time you make a stand, it's actually something. It's not just this selfish, oh, I don't want to do that. Be the guy that right. volunteers to do this and that. And, right. and right. you know, be be willing to um, su- be subordinate to, to your superiors and, and do everything well so that when you have to make that stand, and that stand could be, you know, he was talking about it in the, in the context of... Um, like religious freedom kind of thing, but that stand could be like, let's change this process, let's right. improve this process. Right. And if you're 
and if you're faithful and on, on the things that aren't just I don't want to do it, they're actually um, you, you, like if you're if you're faithful in the small areas where you've been asked to do something um, and you go above and beyond in that and and you make a consistent pattern of that, then it's going to matter a lot more yeah. when you do make some sort of a stand. Right, and and through the whole everything we've been talking about, trying to be effective, working to the best of our ability. Um, that makes you a valuable employee so that it makes you it's more costly to get rid of you they don't want to get rid of you because yeah whereas if all you you complain about the coffee maker you complain about the policies you complain about the health insurance you complain about the work you complain about the chair and the desk and you're just that guy and then you're like no i'm not going to get a vaccine yeah it's like we're just looking for a reason to get rid of you whereas you know you're super valuable thankful productive and then and a person of integrity and reason, mm-hmm. and then you're like, no, I'm not going to use pronouns. I'm not going to get the vaccine. Whatever, whatever the yeah. little thing happens yeah, to yeah, be, yeah. Um, I'm not going to go through this this brainwashed, um, coercive training. Yeah. Um, or you you do all those things. You do them well. You do them well, uh, and then you say, hey, I think you know. I know you guys like this process. I know you like the system we use. I really think we need to change it for these reasons. Whereas if you've been complaining about all those other yeah. things and then you complain about one more thing, you can't have the impact that you want. Of course, to. of course you don't like it. We knew that you wouldn't yeah. like it before. So you, yeah, yeah. Um, totally different impact. Yeah. 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 No, that's helpful. Um, let's bring this to a conclusion. It, just general key takeaways. Are there one or two key things that you think, you know, if you can walk away with, with one or two things from this conversation, these are the important things that, you know, pretty practical, important things. Yeah. The Michael Scott work hard, play hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Perfect. I like it. Yeah. No, I'd say. Uh, That's a pretty good summary. Yeah. <laughs> we work hard, we play hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I think the the mindset is that we live in a fruitful world where when you do stuff, when you work hard, um, there's thorns and thistles and there's the sweat coming off your brow. Things go wrong and that's part of the the curse and part of the fall. Um, But in Christ, the dominion mandate to get dominion and him blessing that, um, this is a great, this is a, you know, this is the greatest time to be alive so far, as far Mm -hmm. as the, the dominion that we have, the tools that we have, the things that we have to get done, and I think we should be mastering these tools, thank, thankful for them. Um, I mean, video cameras and audio equipment and, mm. um, you know, do you use- Very your, accessible information. Yeah, do you use your mobile phone to stay in touch with your grown parents and grandparents or do you use it to waste time playing games? Like, you can, people complain about technology um, and, and people sin a lot, waste a lot of time with it, but I think we should be more productive uh, increasingly productive with all of these opportunities that we have and that we should see ourselves as as producers uh, and not fundamentally as consumers two hands one mouth and we should think of ourselves that way and with this economy that we have um, and the opportunities with everything going on in our crazy world in clown world um, it's the stuff is more important than ever mm. and it's an exciting time to be alive and to be doing these things so yeah. I think people should be looking for opportunities to work, <clears throat> to start companies, to take new jobs, to do stuff, to be productive where they're at, and create opportunities uh, because because we can and we should.
Yeah. I don't know what kind of summary that is, but no, that's but there you go. Yeah, love it. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Work Is Good. If you enjoyed it, share it with someone else, leave a review, and listen next week.